Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan and returning guest Ben Chambers. Yay, Ben! <laughs> ben, can you remind everybody what you do at the church? Yeah, so I am the Community Impact Pastor at the St. Charles South Elgin Campus. And what does a Community Impact Pastor do, Ben? So I've got local outreach stuff. So anything we do in the community from the St. Charles South Elgin Campus, uh, that's me and my team. So um, great day of serving, Ride for Hope, um, regular serving opportunities. That all comes from Community Impact. Awesome. All right, well, we're about to jump into another passage, but before we do, I've got a question, and Ben, you get to answer first. All right. All right, here's the question. What is the dish you cook best? This is a layup. Um, so it's it's <laughs> barbecue. Um, so my specialty is probably baby back ribs. Oh. Yeah. Anything smoked, but yeah, okay. ribs. But ben, ben is uh, underplaying that because he is, he is always... <laughs> Smoking something like like throughout Wait. the day, if we run into Ben, he's got an app on his phone that he is checking to see kind of the temperature and what things are doing at yeah. home in a smoker. So like almost all the time, I feel like you've got something going on. Yeah, well, I'm a techie assume, and I like barbecue. So yeah, I generally assume if I see Ben on the weekend looking at his phone <laughs> that he's not on social media and he's not texting somebody, he's checking the temperature of his grill or smoker to find out how his brisket is doing. That'd be accurate. Wait, yeah. you can do that from like yes, really. Yes, you can do that. I had no idea. Wow. Yes, technology. Ben is playing at a level that none of us think about playing. <laughs> I, pound out Pro flank, level. I pound out flank steak, throw it on the grill so it's done in about four minutes. That's about the extent of my... So it's really a, a lifelong competition between me and my older brother. And so hopefully he'll listen to this podcast. So he'll hear me talk about him. But yeah, we go have barbecue wars back and forth. What's your so. brother's name? Eric. All right, Eric, listen, we need to know if you are a better barbecuer <laughs> than your brother. So hit us up, and the email is podcast at biblesavvy.com. <laughs> this should be fun. <laughs> Clayton, what's your best dish? Oh, my gosh. After going after Ben is, is not okay because I, I don't cook very well. I mean, I put things on the grill, but I, 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 can't, I can't bring that up uh, in, in his presence. Um, but at my home, the thing that I get asked to make, which it, this is not help, this is not looking good, but uh, is grilled cheese sandwiches, which I know is nothing, <laughs> but we doctor them up in our house. So we, you know, put all sorts of seasoning on the outside with the butter and so on, and mix the cheeses and put on different meats and so, sorts of things. So my kids want dad style um, grilled cheese and, and grilled ham and cheese sandwiches. And what that really means is they want to put a lot of butter on it, which mom does not do. And that's that's why they come to me for that. I mean, that's what makes grilled cheese. So good. I yeah. can cook other things, but that's the only thing someone ever asked me to cook for them, which okay. is my children. What about you, Eric? <laughs> uh, I have a problem. And that is that I like to cook, but I'm not good at it. So my family <laughs> <Okay>. runs, <laughs> runs for the hills if I'm ever preparing dinner because I'm an adventurous cook. I will just like go into the pantry, go into the fridge find stuff and think to myself, what meal could I make out of this? You're like chop style. And, <laughs> right. and maybe one time out of a hundred, oh, it's no. actually good. Wow. So some of the funniest stories in my family are times where I have made dinner. Like if you ask any of my kids, like you ask them about chicken adobo, they will tell you an entire story <laughs> about how tragic <laughs> that night was. Uh, so I don't really have good stories to tell. What I just did a few days ago was we were having uh, – my, my wife made brownies, and I sent my daughter and her boyfriend to the store to get heavy whipping cream so we could make homemade whipped cream. And then I started looking up things you could add into whipped cream 
to make different flavors. So we were, we made like peanut butter whipped cream. Now here's the winner, Nutella whipped cream. Oh, oh yeah, mm. yeah, I get that. I was gonna say Nutella whipped mm-hmm. cream on a fudge brownie with chocolate chips. Oh my gosh. Wow. With some ice with vanilla ice cream. Mm. That was that's a winner. awesome. So I've got nothing good to share except Nutella whipped cream. That's that's perfect. It's all good. Nikki? Uh, mine would be um a beef stew. Uh with you know, the onions and the the carrots and the potatoes and the green beans. Slow cooked. Mm. Yeah, that's what I do. That's my dish. And it's fall, so it's like perfect. It's fall. perfect. Yeah, it's like yeah. really hearty. Put it over some mashed potatoes. Yeah. Done. All right. Well, we have, um, before we move on to the passage, we also have some listener feedback. <laughs> we do. Okay. Um, so one of our uh, listeners uh, sent in, uh, it's like a word of the day. Uh, it's called Spuddle. Um, and this is inspired by an episode from probably, it's been a while now, maybe a, a, a year. A couple of years ago, year I or think. So. I, I don't know when the last time we mentioned this was. Yeah. So uh, the word spuddle is from the 17th century, and it says to work ineffectively, to be extremely busy whilst achieving absolutely nothing. So this goes back to the day when Eric used to, word, used to use the word piddling. Yeah, he was piddling around his yard. Yeah, <laughs> like really not doing anything, but kind of seeming as if he was we, doing something. We all thought that meant something different. Yeah. And, but I don't, know if we've, I don't know if we've come back to piddle in a we while. We haven't talked about piddle in a but, long time. Because it's but about a two years old where people were accusing me of urinating in my yard <laughs> That's what piddle, and I we come and to find out, out does. there is it actually does. two definitions of that word. So you're telling me that we have a listener yep. that is referring back to two years ago. Yeah, they're like OG listener, like all like and the now original. Sending us their a word from their word of the day calendar. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, spuddle, spuddle and piddle kind of sound the same and have yeah, it similar made, definitions. It made them think of you. Okay, all right, everybody, listen. Yes, we like listener feedback. And yes, we will, from time to time, read listener feedback on the podcast episode. But that does not mean that every every listener feedback we get is worthy of conversation. Oh. I, refuse, I refuse to get into the Wayback Machine and revisit Piddle or okay. compare and contrast Piddle I, and Spuddle. I think it's just because Eric doesn't feel like he... he Ended up looking good after that oh. piddle conversation. Well, I already admit, like, I don't you, care if someone thinks I pee in my yard. It's my yard. <laughs> Mark, I have, I, have, I have no problem with that. Actually, we're having fun with this because we know the person that sent in this listener yes, feedback. We do. So yeah. we are. And we we're, we're giving her a we hard time. Them. We love them very much. All right, Clayton, what passage <laughs> are we right. looking at? Uh, we are in Jeremiah 29. This is, I, I would have to say, if there are kind of a top one or two passages in Jeremiah that might be well known. This is definitely one of them. Uh, you may have encountered some of the, the verses, some of the lines in these verses in other places. Uh, we're going to dig into it. We're going to uh, read uh, from f- uh, verse 4 to verse 14. Let me give you a little context for this. Uh, this is uh, after the exile has happened, okay? So um, Jeremiah has been prophesying up until this point, talking about how the Babylonians are going to come in, they're going to exile the kingdom of, of Judah, and they're going to be away from the land. Well, this has happened, and there are people off in Babylon, and they're they're hearing word from some prophets that are claiming, "Hey, it's going to be short. It's going to be really quick. You're going to be in and out of there. Don't worry. Don't like. Don't get comfortable because you're going to be back in Judah before no, too long." Right? Well, Jeremiah knows this is not true. Like he's a true prophet. He's heard from God, and so he is trying to counter this and say, no, actually, you need to be ready for what's coming ahead. You know, there's going to be another 70 years of this. So he writes the exiles a letter. Jeremiah is still in the land of Judah, but he's writing to the ones who have already gone away. And he writes them a letter and says, here's how you should handle yourself in exile. So we're going to pick it up in verse 4. 
This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. All right. The next step in comma is observations. So let's talk about what we see in this passage. Uh, To me, it looks like exile is going to be a pretty rosy place. Like they're going to build houses and they're going to plant like plant gardens and they're going to marry and get married and have kids and increase in number and I don't know it's kind of looking like hmm it's a different picture than than you think when you hear the word exile yeah. right like it, there's something there's something about it that feels like real life rather than prisoner of war kind of thing you know like a, being in a you know a refugee camp or something like yeah. that yeah now granted we know that they uh, they did come across a lot of hard things in exile, but at, if you don't know that and you were, were to come across this uh, passage, if you didn't know the context of what conditions they were finding themselves in, you might go, well, what was so bad about exile? This, um, this idea, like to pray to the Lord for the people that have you captive, like it's interesting you know, to be in that situation, to be away from your home and in captivity, the way it kind of paints this picture, but then also pray for the people that have you captive that that, that was that was striking i mean that was very interesting it's counterintuitive yeah yeah well yeah because you can imagine if you're in exile you're thinking i hate this place mm-hmm. i hate these people i don't belong here and the logic here is you're going to be there a while so you should probably invest in the good of the city you're living in because it's not like you can curse them and shake the dust off your feet and head back home because yeah. you're going to be there for a few generations get comfortable related to the idea of praying for the people that are your enemies. I also find the commands counterintuitive there because, so they're, they're thinking we might go home soon, so they don't want to get settled down, right? But the commands there are going to be really difficult to do in a place where you feel like I'm not at home. Like to actually say, I'm going to do something that makes it feel like this could be a long-term thing. This could be something where I'm invested in a community, where I'm going to get to know this place. There, there's something like internal you've got to overcome. Yeah. In order to do that, to say, all right, I'm going to do this and to do something to say, my activity here might be good for these people. Like, I'm not going to just pray for them. I'm also going to, like, be involved in the community enough that my presence here causes them to do well. Like, it's it's almost like you're, you're supporting the people that you, you just can't do it internally. I think I'd be resistant to that. 
That sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Out of context Bible verses on home decorative plaques? I suppose those are fine. (laughs) Out of context Bible interpretation? Terrible. And this has been your comma tip of the week. Why don't we talk about that verse? Because um, it is the one that's famous in here, right? Yeah. Like, if you've seen a verse from Jeremiah, odds are that's the one you've seen. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Yeah. Um, and and if you go to a Bible class, like, if you <laughs> – this is, like, your first Bible class in Bible college. They will probably pick this out and say, hang on a second. Everybody loves that verse, but they're getting it wrong. So how are they getting it wrong? Let, let's unpack that. He's telling them that they're going to be in a situation that they don't want to be in for a very, very long time. But don't give up on him because he has a plan, but it's not going to play itself out as quickly as they might want. Yeah, it's this notion that, that they're, still being, they're still being punished, right? But even in God's judgment, even in his punishment, it's not without hope and mercy. And so like even, it's, like, it's like you're in timeout. But don't just stand in the corner and pout like you got to do something. But then also recognize, like, this is the type of guy that I am. I'm not going to leave you there. And I've got a bigger plan than just you being where you are temporarily. Yeah, I was, like, thinking of it as, like, a like a, a father or a mother disciplining their kids. You know, it's like, okay, you did something, and now you're going to have to deal with the consequences. Uh, but then when you come out of this, you're going to be better for it, and you're going to know that I'm doing this for your good because I love you and I care about you, and it might not feel like that right now. But I do. Yeah, I think a lot of people will slap it onto a situation almost as a generic God's going to fix it kind of thing. You know, like, well, okay, God's got a plan. And sometimes people are doing that simply in in an appropriate way. They're saying, I want to take comfort in the fact that even though I'm not in control of this, God's in control and I can trust him. But oftentimes it is uh, skirting around the idea that you might go through hardship first, that there might be some – it might – that in 70 years – uh, the people of Israel were still like, so when's this plan going to kind of, you know, roll out here? Because I heard you have one, um, but uh, I'm getting old, you know? And and so there's uh, something about it that we kind of shrink it down. That's the problem. Um, when we talk about God having plans, um, the scale that God works his plans is often bigger than our, our perspective and our, our, our life. Yeah, you know, that that two years is much different than 70 years. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a, so like, tell us know. more. Yeah, yeah. So, like this in, has been math lessons with Ben yeah. Chambers. Well, like in 28, he it's doesn't like, work in the accounting department. No, anymore. he works in the outreach yeah. department. Well, like in 28, it's like okay, so you're going to be here two years, and everybody's like excited, like oh, it's only going to be two years. But then now Jeremiah's like, no, it's going to be 70. Like, and this is what you need to do in the midst of that. But then they hear this, you know, I know the plans I have for you. And so, like, we we prefer comforting lies over painful truth, right? And hmm. so, like, this is on the heels of, like, okay, there's this painful truth that you're going to be here for a while. But then God's saying, like, hey, I know the plans I have for you. Man, that was well said. We prefer comforting lies over painful truth. Right there in uh, verse 9, they're prophesying lies to you mm-hmm. in my name. I've not sent them. Uh do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. Like yeah. that. I imagine if I was in their position, you would you would want good news. You mm-hmm. know, you would want someone to tell you you're going back soon. 
And when I put myself in their position, if you have all of these different, uh, I mean, prophets here, but you, you think like, okay, spiritual leaders in general, and you have a bunch of them saying, you're not going to be here long. And one dude, one dude telling you, no, 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 listen, this is what the Lord is saying. It's not that clear on who you should believe. If you have a majority of people saying one thing, but one dude yeah. saying the opposite. Yeah, especially if the majority is saying something that sounds much more appealing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have an observation that is somewhat of a question. In verse 12, it says, Then you will call on me and come to pray to me, and I will listen to you. He's talking about some future, right? I know the plans I have for you, and when those start to happen, then you will call to me and pray, and I will... I will listen. You will seek me and find me when you seek with all of your heart. At first reading, it sounds to me like what he's saying is, I'm not going to be listening or speaking for a while. I'm not sure, like, what hits me at first is what he's saying, but that's that's my question. What what exactly is he saying here? Then you will call on me and come to pray, and I will listen to you. I, I think he's talking about some a very particular calling on him, which is the kind of like... Uh, I don't know, cry of repentance might be the, the the wrong term, but I think it's probably something like that. He's saying there's going to be a, a period of time, and then at that point, when you call out for me to rescue you from Babylon, I'm going to come and get you. So we actually know when this happens. In the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel has heard Jeremiah's prophecy, and so there is a point where it says uh, Daniel knew that the 70 years of Jeremiah's you know letter had happened, and so he cries out, and you actually get the text of Daniel's prayer— which is supposed to be representative of the people's kind of where their heart has become, or at least the the righteous people's heart has gone. And he's saying, we've done a whole lot wrong. We deserve to be here. But God, now we ask for this. And God then speaks to Daniel about the future of the people and so on. But there was a a point 70 years from Jeremiah when the people said, okay, God, we're ready for this. And they called out and God acted. I always had this thought where when I would would read this passage, I would think to myself, why— why would he, like, I, this is coming off of that um, 14 where it says, I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. And I thought, well, if he was just intending on doing that to begin with, right, why would he go through all of the effort to tell people to settle down and to have lives and to flourish and to, you know, expand in number and not to decrease? And then I had this, like, weird moment where I was like, well— they were there for 70 years, so if they didn't expand and, like, they didn't multiply, then there would be no people left. Like, like the people would just die off. So he wanted there to be flourishing of life in some respects because there needed to be a continuation of the people that, which he established so that Jesus could come from that line and all of these things. But at first you're like, well, that, why, why did they get so comfortable there? Why did, why did he tell them all that? Well, there was a point to it. Yeah, there's a parallel in uh, Israel's history when they were in Egypt. So they they go into Egypt, and there's 70 people in the family. Like, it's this one extended family, you know, 12 brothers and all that stuff. They go to Egypt, there's 70 people. Well, after their time there, which was not a good time, (laughs) they are millions of people. And so there is something about that, that even though that was um, objectively bad in certain ways, that God said, during this time, I'm going to have you flourish in ways that are going to set you up for the next thing. And so there, there's something similar going on here. In fact, when the, they come back from the exile, the image of a second exodus is the one they use. It's almost like we went away to another place, and it was a crucible, and it was hard. 
And yet we came back a refined and different people. And so God is using this in ways that set up, like you said, the, the, the future of the, the people. I think about like what God wants us to focus on, like in those seasons where things are not rosy. Right? Does he want us to focus on getting out of that season or does he want us to focus on him? And I think by the commands that he gives, like the build, the plan, the plant, the eat, the marry, like all those things are like focusing on the things that he's called us to do versus focus on like how do we create a solution out of this? And so I think like given that command takes the eyes off of the issue and the problem, but focuses on like, hey, we're going to get to a place where we're going to we're going to call on God and then God's going to do what God does. But if I just sit here and try to work through a solution, like I'm never going to get to that place of actually stop and look at my situation and understand the reason why I'm in the situation to begin with. Yeah, because I could imagine that they would be possibly thinking to themselves, how do we get back to the land? They could be they spend all their time coming up with solutions or schemes on how to get back. For 70 years. Which is very different than what the Lord told them to do, which Mm -hmm. is, no, settle down, build your houses, plant gardens, invest in the place you're living. That's an, that's an interesting observation. I've got an observation here about a, a repeating word, and it's uh, prosper or prosperity. Um, so you see it in a few different places. It talks about uh, seek the peace and prosperity of the city that you, you've been called into exile. Uh, if it prospers, you will prosper. And then when you go back to, to that uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven plans to prosper you and not harm you. Um, There's a Hebrew word behind that. You don't need to know Hebrew to do Bible savvy or any of this stuff, but this is one of those fun ones, and and this is a word that comes up enough that you should learn it, and it's the word shalom, um, which we often use as kind of a sum-up term. Uh, It's it's usually translated peace, but it's a a sum-up term for like the way life is meant to be. It's like wholeness. It's flourishing. It's it's, uh, things working the way they're supposed to work, the way God set it up. And so when you read it in that light, it's really, really interesting uh, because it says, all right, you've been taken into exile. Which for the people of Israel is like, we got kicked out of the Garden of Eden again, right? Like that's what, that's what the exile felt like. We messed up and we got kicked out of the promised land. That, just like Adam and Eve, we're out. But then they say, when you are off in exile, out of the garden, what, what should you do? You should try to make this, at, you should shalom this place. You should make it like Eden, where everything works together as best as it can. Because if it shaloms, if you're, if it's like Eden, it's like Eden for you. If it, you shalom. And, and just so you know, I've got plans for you to be shalomed in the future. And so there's like this sense of, I'm going to take you out of the place you think where, you're, where the garden's going to be, and you're going to go to some place where your enemies are, and you're going to make it so that your enemies are in, a, in paradise, a little bit more paradise, not, obviously not totally, but you're going to make it a little bit better more like the way things are supposed to be. And if that happens, you'll experience more the way things are supposed to be. That's very counterintuitive and not the, not what they were expecting. I appreciate all of the different forms of shalom that you use. Yeah. You, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure you'd make a good smurf. <laughs> <laughs> you can shalom a place. You can shalom this place. I love that. Smurf this place. Smurfy. Are you allowed to do that with that word? I don't I, think probably that's Probably not. Probably okay. not. But you did, and it sounded right. In, in Hebrew, shalom, there's shalom this place. Yeah, that was my favorite. That actually, that, that's a t-shirt, Nikki. I know. That's what let's, I was, like, let's shalom this place. You read my mind. That's really? literally what that? I was thinking about. Right, when let's I shalom this place. That's a good one. All right, let's move on to one of the M's in comma, which is message. If you're going to take one of the things that you saw here and you were going to try to sum it up in a principle, what would that be? So I would build on that, and I would say that God wants to take your present pain Mm -hmm. and grant peace. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, I'm going to try to construct my message off of one of Ben's observations, which is people sometimes prefer comforting lies over painful truth. And I will say, if you choose comforting lies over painful truth, you will waste your time and miss God's best. Mm-hmm. Uh, my message is uh, seek shalom even when far from home. So I, I couldn't avoid the rhyme, so I just went with it. <laughs> Yeah, so he shalomed that place. <laughs> I just, I, after, he shalomed that message. That's right. Sh- <laughs> All right, let's uh, uh, go on to the next M in comma, which is meditation. This is when we prayerfully ponder uh, a section of scripture, and and what we're doing is we're having a conversation with God about what He wants to say to us from that, uh, and how He wants to apply it. It's a little bit more personalizing, but it's interacting, not just thinking about it. So I'm going to read that very famous passage, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. And I want us to to prayerfully ponder it. The Lord says this, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Let's talk about the A and comma, which is application. What do we do in light of all of this? All right, so my application is based on my message. God wants to use your present as a catalyst for the future. Um, what I'm thinking about this is um, to be present in your present, right? So, like, for instance, be aware of what God is doing, uh, whether it is really hard things right now or whether it's really good things right now. Obviously, he has put those things in place uh, because he does have a plan and a purpose for you. And so what is it that he's trying to teach you through the good things, through the hard things, but also through um, just through even like your interactions, your conversations with people, everything, God is using it uh, for your future. And how can you take that and use it for his glory uh, in every in every aspect of the way is, is everything is meant uh, for your good. That's good. So I would say, you know, my, my application comes like after, I think it's in verse 12. And so, uh, and it deals with that pain again. And so don't allow pain, this is a tongue twister, don't allow pain to prevent you from praying. Right. And so in verse 12, it talks about when you pray. So it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of, of when. Mm-hmm. So when you pray, God says, I will listen. And so like there's all these guarantees that flood those, you know, verses 13 and 14. Uh, like when you when you look for me with your whole heart, like you'll find me, and then I'll end your captivity, I'll, I'll bring restoration, I'll gather you, I'll restore, like all those things. But it all starts with with praying, and so not allowing pain to prevent us from from praying. After meditating on that verse, I have an urgent desire to go to Hobby Lobby and buy home decorations. <laughs> that's, my, that's my application. That is not my application. Uh, I am thinking about my long-winded message, 
which which was off of Ben's observation, which is uh, choosing comfortable lies over painful truth. And if you do that, you will waste your time and miss God's best. So my application is to ask myself the question, is there a painful truth right now that I am actively mm. avoiding or ignoring? Uh, my message was uh, seek shalom even when far from home. And I, I think what that it gets applied to is whatever circumstance you're in where you say, okay, this is where God's put me. And it might not be someplace that feels um, comfortable or it might not feel someplace that feels friendly uh, to my faith or it might be someplace that uh, I find difficult or hostile. Uh, but there to say, all right, what can I do like concretely? So I, I think uh, oftentimes this is in a workplace. You know, someone's in a workplace and they say, why am I here? What am I doing? Like, you know, where, where's God in all of this? Um, and maybe even feeling pressure from that. I've, I've talked with a lot of people in our church where they say, look, in my workplace, we talk about faith at work and all of these sorts of things. And I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, this is not a place that's that it's easy to be a Christian. But there's something about the advice where all the things that Jeremiah says are very normal things. Hey, settle down, you know, build a life here. Like, there's something about saying, I'm going to be invested in the place where I work in a way that if I get embedded in this and I cause this place to prosper, guess what happens? I prosper too. And, and we're not just talking about money. We're talking about the, the kind of culture of the place, the impact of the place, the way it affects people's lives. Like you, you can easily underestimate how much digging in and truly being invested in a community or a workplace uh, can really have an impact. And to say, I'm going to do it, um, even when it's hard, um, is it will pay off in the long run. All right. Well, there you have it. Ben, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Friends, thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, you can go to BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week. Dang, Nikki just shalom for that outro.